Welcome to Done and Done. I'm Alicia, your hostess on this podcast journey, all things Dominic Dunn. Thanks for joining me this week, investigators, for the continuation of the Aunt Gertrude and Niece Gloria Vanderbilt saga. Yeah, of those Vanderbilts. Investigators, this is a bigger story than just one episode. Welcome to a whole week of daily drops of Done and Done. Today in our episode, we're going to get to know Gloria Vanderbilt's mother, Gloria Morgan Vanderbilt. A legend in her own time, Gloria Morgan is. She comes with a twin sister, Telma, and these two are going to light the world on fire in quite a few ways. Before we begin our episode today, I do see a few fine folks in our spyglass this week who've joined our community over at patreon.com slash done and done, getting early and ad-free episodes every week, along with bonus episodes, with big, enormous thanks to Betty Lou B, Ginger J, and Cindy M. I am so grateful to y'all and all of our Patreon supporters and you for coming to listen today. Friends, there was no bigger news in 1934 than the custody battle of the poor little rich girl, Gloria Vanderbilt. And we think of her Aunt Gertrude as the machine behind it all. Or is she? This story is quite a ride. It has a lot of connections, a lot of spider webs, a little bit of real estate, some legendary names too, with international consequences just from the custody trial of a 10-year-old child. Kids, gather around. And let me tell you how we meet Gloria's mother. We are going to be dropping in where we left off last episode. I do recommend you listen to episode 36 if you want the entire Vanderbilt family background that has happened in the 70 years before we make it to this story. Today we're dropping in to the year 1920. Let's investigate. Are the members of our Vanderbilt family, the kids of Cornelius II, in 1920? Let's set the scene, because we do have a few of our Vanderbilt family left standing out of our original mother, father, and seven kids who's still around. We still got mom hanging in there, Alice Claypool Vanderbilt, still kicking, still doing her thing, spending her summers at the Breakers in Newport. She's doing New York City otherwise and, well, the life of a wealthy society lady. Neely, remember Neely? He's the oldest son left standing. Remember his two older brothers now, William Henry and Alfred, have passed away. Neely, in 1920, is still very happily married to his wife, Grace Wilson of the Marrying Wilsons. They have two kids, Cornelius IV and Grace. And by 1920, Neely has returned from his participation in the war efforts, and is now happily ensconced with his bonus Vanderbilt inheritance. Holy cats. This one's left by his uncle, George Washington Vanderbilt. George Washington Vanderbilt is the youngest of of William Henry Vanderbilt, making George Washington Vanderbilt the youngest brother of Cornelius II, as well as William K. Vanderbilt. Now, George Washington Vanderbilt has one daughter, Cornelia, and Neely, being the benefit of 
the boy on the outs with his family, is going to get some tremendous gifts within his uncle's inheritance when George Washington Vanderbilt passes away in 1914. The first of this largesse is a home right on Fifth Avenue. This is one of the twin mansions that his uncle will build across the street from each other on Fifth Avenue. Nice digs if you can get it. And there's really no need for George Washington Vanderbilt to leave that home to his daughter. Cornelia is going to have another one in her inheritance. Perhaps you might have heard of a little home called Biltmore in Asheville, North Carolina. Biltmore is the home that George Washington Vanderbilt will build beginning in the late 1880s. So kind of easy to let some property go in New York City. Oh, another acquisition that Neely and Grace pick up is Bewley in Newport, Rhode Island. Summer cottage there. Neely and Grace, because, you know, they still have to summer in Newport, have rented Bewley for a significant number of years from William Waldorf Astor. William Waldorf Astor, who we know after last week's bonus episode, is happily living in England ensconced at Hever Castle by 1911, leaving Bewley available for purchase by Neely and Grace. They're doing great. It all connects, friends. We haven't really talked about the home Bewley yet. It is on Bellevue Avenue. It is a huge deal in Newport. It's nestled near Beechwood as well as Marble House. I don't want you to get too hung up on those details now. I'm just introducing some new summer cottages into our investigation that will be coming up in the next few weeks. Needless to say, in 1920, Neely and Grace are doing fantastic. Two homes, two kids, everything's greedy. Next up in the Vanderbilt family, still left standing, Gertrude, our dear Aunt Gertrude, who at this point has been married to Harry Payne Whitney now for 25 years. Gertrude is still wearing pants, she's still doing art, and still is developing what is going to become the Whitney Museum of American Art in about another decade or so. Gertrude is making trips to Europe and all the scandalous places across the pond, as well as stateside. Gertrude is doing her thing and happily. By 1920, the youngest of Gertrude's three children is now 18. Woohoo! She's about to have even more freedom, and Gertrude will take full advantage of it in her Greenwich Village studio turned art compound, let the good times roll. Reginald, oh, Reggie. In 1920, Reggie is fresh off his divorce from Kathleen Nielsen. And Reggie, ah, this guy, he's made a bunch of different life choices. Reggie, on the night of his 21st birthday, celebrates coming into his $16 million inheritance by losing $70,000 of it at the gambling table. Remember, Reggie's main interest in life is racehorses. His main hobby in life is getting pretty sloppy with alcohol. And Reggie and Kathleen try in that marriage at last 12 years. Remember, they do have one child, a daughter. But by 1920, that divorce is complete. And Reggie is single again and looking for love and trouble and fast times like Reggie is prone to do. Hold on to Reggie there. He's coming back with a quickness. Gladys is our last surviving child. Gladys, remember the baby of the family. She is the fourth surviving child of the original seven and the baby of the current main family here. 
Gladys, in 1920, is still happily married to her Hungarian count, now with five children in tow. All right, now our baseline is set. We have kept up with the Vanderbilts. Let's circle back to Reggie now. Because, whoa. In 1920, a divorced 40-year-old Reggie is looking to party. Plenty of money, a family name that carries some weight, and Reggie likes to get down. He plays fast and loose. He's done it his whole entire life. But by the early 1920s, Reggie's doctors are like, Oh man, Reg, you gotta quit drinking or you're going to die. You have to slow down. Reggie is not going to follow his doctor's advice. He's going to have plenty of fun as a single guy as well as find a new bride in the early 1920s, a child bride, really a very young girl, to marry in the spring of 1923. Let's meet Gloria Morgan. And honestly, you can't talk about Gloria Morgan without talking about her twin sister, Telma. Gloria and Telma are a package deal, these two. They are intimately connected throughout their lives. This set of twins is one of the most infamous and famous in history. Gloria and Telma are known as the Magnificent Morgans. Gloria, who does not begin as Gloria. Gloria is the name she will take on for herself, as she doesn't like the one too much that she was given at birth. Gloria was born Maria Mercedes Morgan, along with her twin Telma, on August 23, 1904. Gloria and Telma are the last of five children of her American diplomat father. His name is Henry Hayes Morgan Sr., who has literally spent his life and career stationed all over the world. The twins' mother is Harry Hayes Morgan Sr.'s second wife, Laura Delphine Kilpatrick. We will know her in our story as Grandma Morgan. Just remember, Grandma Laura Morgan. The twins are born in Switzerland and lead a pretty exciting life between travel and exposure to a larger world. There are governesses and the best private schools, not only private schools, but convents as well, within the whole world. And again, the magnificent Morgans. Gloria will restyle herself, and Telma, the two of them are already getting press as teenagers, in photographs, in the newspaper, like, Nobody knows really what these two have cooking, but the world is watching and waiting for it to happen. The famous photographer, Cecil Beaton, will describe Gloria and Telma this way. They are as alike as two magnolias, with their marble complexions, raven tresses, and flowing dresses, with their slight lisps and foreign accents, they diffuse a Ouida atmosphere of hot house elegance and lacy femininity. Their noses are like begonias with full-blown nostrils, their lips richly carved, and they should have been painted by Sargent with arrogant heads and affected hands in white satin with a bowl of white peonies nearby. What a description, those two. And hey, Telma and Gloria, by the age of 16 are done at formal attempts at education. And the two of them have decided they would rather be stars <laughs> of some kind. Telma and Gloria, at the tender age of 16, with their father's permission, this is October 1921, the two are just going to move into a townhome 
at 45th Avenue in New York City and just decide to start doing things for themselves. Thanks very much. Gloria and Telma do have a few minor roles in movies. There'll be extras in films too. Most notably, 1922's The Young Diana with Marion Davies, where these two make friends. Telma and Gloria, really, really skilled at making friends. We're going to stop right here for a quick moment to take a break to hear from our friends and sponsors. We'll be back on the flip with what these girls get into. Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number, thousands of people try to call, you talk to one of them, they stay anonymous, I can't hang up, that's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings. Crazy funny ones. I talked to a guy with a goose laugh, somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today, Beautiful Anonymous. So Telma and Gloria move out October 1921, but maybe it's not stars on the Hollywood screen that these two girls want to be, because by February of 1922, Telma has landed herself her first husband. And maybe what this move was all along to New York City translated how to catch a husband. Telma is going to marry James Vale Converse. James Vale is the grandson of the founder of AT&T. Telma's 17. James Vale is a decade older, has already been divorced once, but alas, the heart wants what the heart wants. Also, AT&T money. Not to be outdone. It is the next year, on March 6th, 1923, that Gloria will land her even bigger catch of a husband. Because come on, there may be AT&T money, but have you heard of Vanderbilt money? Y'all know it's coming. Reggie, at the age of 43, will marry a barely 18-year-old Gloria Morgan. Gloria is a great beauty, awfully young. Reggie is a wealthy alcoholic with lots of big money problems, and woohoo! Soon enough, Gloria is pregnant, delivering the child that is the focus of our story, a baby girl, February 20th, 1924, little baby Gloria Vanderbilt, a scant 11 and a half months after Reggie and Gloria's nuptials. And things roll along like they do. Reggie has his young trophy wife, and again, against doctor's advice, I love to drink and I love young girls. And Gloria, right, for her part, is having a marvelous time living the high life with a pocketbook to match, and things are really fine for a hot minute until we get to 1925. 1925 is going to bring us some trouble. First up, Telma will get a divorce from James Vale Converse. This happens in April 1925. That marriage didn't work out real great, but don't worry about Telma. She will become engaged to the actor Richard Bennett, the legendary actor. Also Richard Bennett, the father of Constance, Joan, and Barbara, the famous Bennett sisters. But Richard Bennett is not the groom that Telma will choose next. That's going to come next year in 1926. The year after, oh, poor Gloria. Poor Gloria is going to have a rough, rough time, even rougher than Telma's divorce in 1925. When September 4th, 1925, her husband, Reggie, dies of cirrhosis of the liver. No real surprise there. 
Reggie's death, though, does leave Gloria Morgan Vanderbilt, a 20-year-old with an 18-month-old daughter, heir to what Gloria Sr., Mama Gloria, thinks is an incredible fortune. At the time of Reggie's death, Gloria was at the theater in New York City. That night after Reggie's death, baby Gloria is taken to the Breakers to be with her grandmother, Alice. Young widow, baby child, naturally, go to the reading of the will. And when we get to the reading of the will, Gloria Morgan is surprised because she's getting a little bit different of a situation than she anticipated. For whatever Gloria was expecting, it is probably at the reading of the will not what she got delivered. Turns out Reggie's broke. He's flat broke. Not only has he blown through the money that he had, he has, in addition, accumulated a bunch of debt as well. There is a $5 million fortune in trust. That money in trust is divided between Reggie's two children. The daughter from his first marriage with Kathleen Nielsen, $2.5 million to her. The remaining $2.5 million naturally to be inherited by baby Gloria Vanderbilt. What does this mean for Gloria Sr.? It means that even though there is an enormous amount of money in trust, Gloria Sr. only has access to the interest payments on that trust to support herself and baby Gloria. But hey, it's the mid-1920s and life is okay for Gloria Sr. You know the American dollar goes a lot further in Europe those days and also Telma, Gloria's beloved twin sister, is in Europe and off Gloria goes across the pond playing with her sister, baby in tow. It's Paris, London, Cannes, Monte Carlo, Biarritz, Switzerland. And let me tell you, Gloria Sr., utterly unequipped to parent, to be sure. Got some terrific pulls here from Dominic Dunn writing Gloria's Euphoria in Vanity Fair. This is in 1985 when he interviews her. Gloria Vanderbilt, an adult grown up, will talk about that special relationship that her mother and her Aunt Telma have. Gloria Vanderbilt quoted saying, Thank God my mother had Telma because they really were like a mirror image of each other. And not only that, but so supportive of each other. It was as if my mother and Telma were married. When you think of it, imagine from birth being in a room with someone who looks exactly like you and is just there as an extension of yourself. I almost never saw my mother really alone. Telma was always there. And I realized later that my mother was as frightened of me as I was of her. Gloria Vanderbilt will have one other quote here that I think is poignant. And this is again done writing. She said confidentially about women like her mother, you know, the kind of social strata they were in, they really, in a sense, were not meant to be mothers because their instincts were not in that direction. Grown-up adult Gloria Vanderbilt does have a point here, even though Dunn is writing in the mid-1980s. Two things to know and remember, Gloria Sr. Mama is not a terrific mom. Baby Gloria is mostly raised by Dodo, her nanny, her the loyalist nanny in the whole world, as well as her grandmother Morgan. Baby Gloria sort of has a vagabond kind of life. 
It is from hotel room to hotel room, from rented home to another rented home. There's not a lot of stability, and mom and baby are hop-skipping around Europe with Sister Telma, and 1926 is going to bring a few big things. When it comes to Vanderbilt family news in 1926, remember Neely? The kid who has been on the outs, never reconciled with Cornelius II, hasn't spoken with his mother in 27 years. Guess what? Now that he is the last son standing, Neely is. Finally, in 1926, Neely and his mother, Alice, make peace. They reconcile. Yay! On the side of the Marvelous Morgans in 1926, Telma is going to marry again. The honor this time goes to a groom that you have already heard about in a long-ago episode of Done and Done. Telma's next husband is Marmaduke Furness, the first Viscount Furness. We have heard about old Marmaduke all the way back in March of last year, via Dominic Dunn's writing on Marmaduke's third wife, Enid Cavendish. This is all the way back in episode six of our show. Enid Cavendish is the one who is known, at least in her high society, at least in her high society circles, as Lady Kilmore. Telma will be Marmaduke Furnace's second bride. And they are right now living it up in Europe. And Telma... Very happy to have married into minor aristocracy, which is going to have the effect of breaking the twins, Telma and Gloria, because they're always a package deal, into some pretty high society circles, which will most assuredly cause some trouble down the road. So here we have the sisters hanging out with all kinds of the aristocratic set. Hold on to that. It is going to cause some international complications and complications closer to home, too, for sweet baby Gloria, the child that is involved in all of it, who is barely the age of two at this point in our story. Sweet baby Gloria. That is going to bring us to an excellent stopping point for today. When we come back tomorrow, we're going to be continuing our coverage, getting us to the custody case and of the custody case, How do we get our players into court? So much more coming this week. Thank you so much for tuning in to this mini episode today. You are simply the best. Until we meet again tomorrow, darlings, stay curious and keep on investigating. Thanks for listening to the Done and Done podcast, a Hemlock Creatives production. You can email us at doneanddone at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at doneanddonepodcast. For further information about our episodes or sources, you can find us online at www.doneanddone.com. See you next week, friends.